Faith, what's that fairy tale where like there's the lady and she's like eating people? Um, Hansel and Gretel? No, no, no. Like, like there's like there's like like the evil witch and like uh, you know they're they're eating people. You know, like kids get eaten. Hmm. Little Red Riding Hood? No, oh, Hansel and Gretel? I don't know. No, no, no. Like they break into the house, like steal the gold, and like there's all the people under the stairs. You mean the people under the stairs. Oh, from Wes Craven. Yes. Right now on the Late Night Fright. Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan and with me as always is my very under the stairs co-host Faith. Say hi Faith. Hi Faith. Well Faith, we have a movie tonight that you picked. Mm -hmm. If you have been following the show, uh, Faith and I have just been switching off picks every week. We have no rhyme or reason to what we're doing here. I don't know that we ever have had a rhyme (laughs) or reason and we certainly don't know what we're doing (laughs) But uh, we have a movie from one of the great horror names uh, this week. Please introduce this fine piece of cinema. We are doing Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. The People Under the Stairs. I remember when this was out. This came out in 1991, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm about to date myself here, show you how old I am. I watched this with my cousins on (laughs) pay-per-view. Do you remember pay-per-view? Yes. If you're out there listening uh, and you don't know what pay-per-view is now, way back in the day, kind of the precursor to digital, <laughs> you would have the cable box and you would have to put it on a certain channel. And, you, you know, you'd call up the cable company mm-hmm. and, and they take it or put it on your bill or bill. whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, at like eight o'clock or whatever, then the movie would start <laughs> and you could tape it or whatever, record it on a, a VHS <laughs> which is what we had back in the day. But I remember uh, watching this movie in maybe it would have been summer of 92 because this came out in November of 91. Mm -hmm. So probably would have been on pay-per-view summer of 92. (laughs) And and I remember watching this like it was yesterday. You know, it was really cool. They had the pay-per-view channel where they had like all the previews and stuff. So you could just leave that channel on and if you left it on long enough you'd see the whole cycle and it just it would just (laughs) it would just keep going and going and going but it was really cool because they had like supplemental material on the pay-per-view channel so like you'd see like interviews with different people so it's like they would uh do 30 minutes of the previews and then they would do these like spotlights on certain movies so it was it was kind of cool precursor to digital (laughs) uh like i said really really kind of dates me right yeah did you like this movie when you first saw it? I did. I liked it uh, very much. Uh, it didn't uh, scare me so much when Mm-mm. when I saw it for the first time. And it didn't scare me. This this go around, <laughs> it had been probably that long since I had seen oh, wow. this movie. Yeah. A lot of it came, came kind of flooding back. And isn't it amazing? I wanted to bring this up, uh, talking about, you know, pay-per-view and that time of, uh, of life. Isn't it amazing how things come back? You know, so quickly yeah. sometimes like uh, images or sounds will mm-hmm. trigger something. You can remember exactly where you were. You yes. can remember 
what the room was like, what it, you know, just, just smells and details, yeah. like all of these, all of these details come rushing back. And I had that experience today watching the people under the stairs. Well, I hope that was a good experience. That <laughs> It was a very good experience. And it has inspired one of our new segments that we're going to be doing uh, on the show. Hopefully each and every show. Faith, we're going to take them into the Wayback Machine. What is the Wayback Machine, you ask? Faith, tell them what the Wayback Machine (laughs) is. Uh, Well, we are going to kind of spotlight some events that happened when the movies we discuss happened. Does that make sense? It makes (laughs) makes complete sense. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, what the number one song in America was, what the number one film with the number one TV show and maybe maybe an interesting historical event that happened on the day and guess what faith what we even have a theme for this are you ready to get into the wayback machine <laughs> let's do it all right here we go Put your seatbelts on for that. <laughs> the official Wayback Machine theme song. It's a good theme. It is a good theme. It's really good. All right, here we go. The number one song on the top 40 on November 1st, 1991, the day that this film came out, was Romantic by Karen White. This was written by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. They were responsible for the bulk of Janet Jackson's early work. So uh, Uber producers, nice. Jimmy Jam. And Terry Lewis love their work. Uh, Faith, funny enough, what was the number one movie in America? <laughs> the number one movie was, oddly enough, The People Under the Stairs. I believe it debuted with about $6 million at the box office. <laughs> and this film went on to gross about $25 million and was a real sleeper hit. Like, no one expected this movie to do anything and made a whole lot of money. <laughs> nice return on investment. And yes. the number one TV series in America, one of our favorites, it won the uh, Late Night Fright Top 10 TV theme song competition we did a few weeks ago. What uh, what episode was that that we did that on? Stay tuned. Stay the tuned. Stay tuned episode. Faith, what was the number one TV show in America? Cheers. Cheers. Really <laughs> hitting course. its stride. And it had been on for, I think, nine years. At that time. And the big historical event, which is funny because it kind of ties into the film, the last of the Kuwaiti oil uh, fires was put out by a Canadian crew. So uh, you see them watching the Gulf War in this movie, which is <laughs> which is kind of funny. The Gulf War was the first war that was televised. So uh, it ended kind of officially there with the last <laughs> fire being put out. Uh, on November 1st, 1991. So there it is, the Wayback Machine. Not as good as Doc Brown's Time Machine, but it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Do you know that song, Romantic, by Karen Wright? I don't know. Do I? Do I? Do you think I know it? It's a pretty good, pretty good little tune. Pretty Let's good hear little it. Tune. Very, uh, Can you sing it for me? <laughs> I'm not. Light some candles. Let's get romantic. We got a romantic movie tonight. <laughs> oh, yes. Very romantic. We uh, we are also doing something else that is now uh, kind of an official part of the show. Again, if you've been uh, following us uh, since we've come back from our extended break due to the dreaded Coove 19 that's out there, um, <laughs> we have been doing our top five lists. Uh, what have we done so far? We did the TV theme songs. Mm-hmm. We did uh, comic book heroes and villains. And I feel like we did another one that's escaping me. I think me that's it. 
Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, we have another one tonight, and I think this one's kind of inspired. So we have uh, two of them. Yes, two. Two top five, mm-hmm. uh, all going back to Wes Craven. Wes Craven is, of course, the daddy of one of the greatest cinematic monsters of all time. Fred Chuck, <laughs> Freddy Krueger, Frederick Charles Kroger, if you will. <laughs> uh, so what we're doing, Faith, we have top five Freddy Krueger one-liners mm-hmm. slash lines. And top five Freddy Krueger kills. Yes. Ooh. So exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> we uh, are going to be doing those throughout the night, and we're going to start right now with numbers five and four. But guess what? We have a theme song for this, too, don't we? Do Faith? we? We sure do. <laughs> Let's hear it. Are you ready? Here we go. Roll it. Bitch. He says bitch a lot, doesn't he? (laughs) He does. All right, so we are doing top five Freddy Krueger kills and top five Freddy Krueger lines. Uh, All roads lead back to Wes Craven. So uh, let's go with kills. Uh, Faith, you have the honor. Your number five kill. I put uh, Tina's death scene at number five from the original film. Wow, that low, huh? Yes. I'm excited to see what you have (laughs) in store for us. I have Mark Davis's death scene from Freddy vs. Jason. I think it harkens back to the best kills of the series. I like that it happens in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. like in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I like that uh, the majority of the kill happens off screen, like the Tina kill. Mm -hmm. I like that you see him cutting up his face, but you don't actually see him doing the cutting. And I really like the way England plays that whole... uh, the whole part where you see Freddy in that. I, I think it's a great death. It's a good pick. We, we, uh, we did Freddy versus Jason on the show. And We've done a lot of Freddy. <laughs> we, we have. We did Freddy versus Jason, and we said that it's a great mashup movie, kind of a greatest hits for both of those mm-hmm. franchises. Freddy, that death in particular, I think, really harkens back to the, to the best of Fred Chuck. It's, so, a, it's a good one. So, good one. Uh, Faith, you have the honor again with your number four top mm-hmm. Freddy kill. Number four, I picked Philip. The puppet show from oh, yeah. uh, three. Oh yeah, that's a that's good one. a really good. That's a good one. Uh, I'm also going with Elm Street three, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm going with another kill from that film. I'm going with Jennifer. Okay. Jennifer Go famously ahead. got her head. Uh, how, how how would we put it? Um, he shoved into a TV. Shoved into a TV. There you, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Ah, poor Jennifer who. Uh, who who tried to keep her uh, self awake with cigarettes? You know, I, I contacted that actress and uh, she actually got back to me, I but uh, she uh, she wasn't able to do the show. So maybe we need to reach out to her again. Maybe so. She asked me what a podcast is. Did she? She did. Are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. Oh, she wow. asked me what a podcast is. Wow. All right. Uh, but it was her. She got it was she got back to me. It was nice of her to get back. Yeah. But she asked me what a podcast <laughs> was. So, all right. So you have Tina. And you have Philip, and I have Mark and Jennifer. Mm-hmm. So let me just say this: all Freddy kills are worthy, right? It was difficult to come up with with these. It was. I had another piece of paper, and I was like, "Wait, I need to pick five, But it was kind of it was kind of difficult yeah. to to break it down. All right, I will take the first one here. So, top five Freddy Krueger one-liners slash lines. This was difficult. This was so this was hard. hard. Sorry. 
and I'm showing Faith right now on my list. I have like a bunch of them <laughs> on the side that I had to like oh whittle gosh. it down. But uh, ultimately, I went with my number five is from number five, The Dream Child. It is this line, Bone Appetite, Bitch. That's right. <laughs> I got one in with Bitch. I have a feeling we have a few with Bitch. It seems to be his favorite word. And here it is. Bone Appetite, Bitch. Yes. Never, never ceases to amaze. <laughs> what is your number five line, Faith? I picked I'm Your Boyfriend Now, Nancy. Another classic. Mm-hmm. Another classic. Could be, yeah, it's kind of got to be in the top five, doesn't it? Here I think it is. So. Here it is. The music. I love it. <laughs> and uh, when possible, we will have the full scream <laughs> if there is indeed a scream mm. in the line. So. There it is. We will continue with this uh, after the break. But when we get back, we are going to be talking about the people under the stairs from old Fred Chuck's dad, Wes Craven. I am Dan. Good night, Faith. Light a candle, y'all. It's time to get romantic. We'll see you on the other side. No faith. The people under the stairs is not the only Wes Craven movie that we've done on the show. What else have we done? We've done a Nightmare on Elm Street, a New Nightmare, Scream. Our, our very, very first, first show. episode. Yes. Yes. And you know, Freddy Krueger is not the only monster that we've talked about on the show. Who else have we talked about? We've talked about Jason. We've talked about Michael Myers. We've talked about Chucky. And we've talked about Nicolas Cage. Everybody's favorite boogeyman. Yeah, exactly. Nicolas Cage. All of those episodes are available wherever podcasts can be found. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, are you feeling romantic? Sure. (laughs) It's a catchy (laughs) tune, isn't it? It is. It's kind of stuck in my head and I've never heard it. (laughs) Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are just masters. And and I mean, they were the biggest things in production around that time, uh, 85, 86 through you know, the really into the 90s. Uh, are you a, you a Janet Jackson fan? Yes, I yeah, I am. I, I like am too. Her. I love their work with her. Mm-hmm. And they brought out, I think, the best of, of her and, and she brought out the best of them. There's certain collaborations, you know, that just stand fit. the test of time. They fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Beatles with George Martin. Um, I mean, when I think of Janet, I think of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot more. 
out there, but uh, they're they're fantastic, and they also have an association with uh, Babyface, who's a, another guy I really, mm-hmm. really, really like. So, well, that was the number one song the week that the movie we are talking about tonight came out. Faith reintroduced this fine piece of cinema to the audience. We are talking about the people under the stairs. Now, this was your pick this mm-hmm. week. Um, besides the obvious, this is a, a horror film and a great <laughs> horror film. What uh, what led you to to want to talk about this on the show? Because this movie is bizarre, <laughs> is it not? <laughs> it's it's weird. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Um, kind of. <laughs> I I have a read on this that I'm going to share that I it wasn't as weird mm-hmm. when I kind of figured out what he was doing. Um, yeah. I have two reads on it actually that I'm going to share tonight. But um, no, it is it is odd. It's, yeah, I mean, I think the first time I saw it, I was like, what? is happening what am i watching it's not it's not david lynch odd uh there is a huge david lynch connection (laughs) to this movie which we're going to talk about in the cast which i think is just absolutely awesome Mm -hmm. and is there because of the association (laughs) of david lynch so uh let's get right into it let's tell them what this movie is about this movie is about a 13 year old kid named fool fool lives in the ghetto in new york in harlem he lives on lennox avenue in harlem he and uh, what uh, Ving Rhames and um, his name in the movie is escaping me right now. Uh, it wasn't Luther, was it? Was it Luther? Leroy. 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 He's Luther in Mission Impossible. He's Leroy <laughs> in The People Under the Stairs. He and Leroy, who is a friend of the family, and uh, another guy named Spencer, they take Fool to rob Mommy and Daddy's house. <laughs> the Robisons or Robisons, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it but uh that's their names and uh fool lives with his sister and his mother his mother is ill his sister likes to read tarot cards his sister uh you also get the idea is turning some tricks on the street according (laughs) to leroy is leroy to be believed do we believe leroy who knows who knows (laughs) (laughs) who knows so they go uh they're using fool to get into the uh robeson's house to get some gold coins that are worth a lot of coin Mm -hmm. as it is and well hilarity ensues doesn't it (laughs) the uh the robesons affectionately known as mommy and daddy i don't think we ever really know their names they i think the man's name is eldon eldon that's right they do you never know her name you never know her name um they have a little girl named alice in the house that is apparently their daughter we may find out a little differently as the movie goes on, they also have some people that they keep under the stairs, hence the title of the film. There's uh, cannibalism, there's uh, incest, there's... There's like everything in this film. It's it's the feel-good <laughs> family film of 1991. Very romantic. Oh, yes. <laughs> very romantic. Shades <laughs> of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with, with some <laughs> other things. Shades of Nightmare on Elm Street. I want to talk yes. about that a little bit, too. Uh it is. It's a weird movie. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird movie. So let's start. What did you think of the people <laughs> under the stairs? This is always a fun watch, and it's always, it really kind of captures me, if that makes any sense. Like, this is one of those movies that I just, I stare at because you just, I don't pause it. I don't do anything else. It's just, you want to look at it because there's so much happening, and it's weird. It really is a bizarre how everything unfolds. I feel like it it doesn't take its time, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, he he starts right at the beginning. Yeah, and, and it just uh, goes. We're not, we're not going to get into much biographical detail on Wes. Uh, we talk at length about Wes Craven in the Nightmare on Elm Street episode that is 
available now wherever podcasts can be found. Go into great detail mm-hmm. in his uh, in his biography in that. So if you want want more on Wes, go uh, check out the Nightmare on Elm Street episode. That's not a cop out. It's just there's quite a bit there. Oh yeah. And uh, so if you want the backstory, uh, check it out. Um, Wes was an interesting guy. the The short version is he was a college professor turned filmmaker, uh, anthropology, and uh, he knew uh, stories. He knew fairy tales and stories. Uh, and this is a fairy tale. This is the thing about this movie. And what I love about the movie, the way it starts off with the tarot cards, with his sister mm-hmm. reading the tarot cards. And his sister is played by Kelly Jo Minter, who is in uh, Summer School, which is one of my favorite movies. She also pops up in another of my favorite movies, House Party. She was also in A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. So, And she has one of the great voices and deliveries of all time. I love mm-hmm. her voice. And I, I don't too. know if she's still acting, but I, I always loved her and there are certain actresses who have attitude mm-hmm. and she has it naturally she has this natural thing about her and it's not yeah it doesn't seem like she's acting at all not at all and it's her delivery and her mm-hmm. attitude and if you watch um summer school you can see it but definitely the little role she has in house party is wonderful too and she's just funny she's always <laughs> funny i like seeing her a little more maternal here which mm-hmm. which is uh which is great she's but she sets up this movie. She's reading his tarot cards and the story in the tarot cards is exactly what's going to happen throughout yep. the, this movie. And it's a fairy tale. It is. Uh, Wes was very fond, apparently, of fairy tales. Elm Street and this movie share that in common because we talked about in the Elm Street episode. Elm Street is a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale with a dragon, a dragon yep. who lives underneath, you know, our subconscious right. and hoards things. What do we have here? We have dragons who are hoarding things, you know, literally underneath. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the little area where they keep the people, the stair people, as they call them in Mm -hmm. the closed captions, um, very much reminded me of Freddy's boiler room. Yeah, you know. Uh, But this really is a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. And it's and as as I keep saying, it's a fairy tale. And Fool shares a lot in common with Luke Skywalker and with Bruce Wayne and with all of the other heroes of a thousand faces who undergo the trials and tribulations of the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. This is what he does in this movie. And it's really, really wonderful. There's also shades. I want to go go ahead and uh, throw this out too. There's shades of like Hansel and Gretel. There's, you know, yeah. uh, the witch with the oven, you know, and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, fairy tales often have the element of cannibalism. It's here in yep. this movie. So Wes, this isn't to me so much a horror film as it is a fairy tale <laughs> and fairy tales could very often be frightening. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that kind of clues me why this is a fairy tale and for kids is because there's a real Looney Tunes element to this. This did, uh, Everett McGill not remind you of Elmer Fudd he did. at times when fool was taken on. Uh, Everett McGill did it not remind you of like Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd mm-hmm. going at it, yep, you know, and, and the looks on his face like, oh, you know, yeehaw, very car- <laughs> The violence is very kind of cartoonish, though. It, it is. It's not um, stomach churning, right. you know, although, you know, gutting and filleting a dude, you know, that's not exactly family friendly. But I didn't even feel like that was too over the top. No, I didn't either. You know, that scene. So but uh, that was that was my read on it was. I was like, this is a fairy tale. So when all the kind of weird stuff starts happening, it's like, well, of course, you know, this is <laughs> that kind of, this is, this is a weird world. You right. know? Were you catching any of that? Was that something going through your head? I did. The, I think the first time I ever watched it, maybe it didn't hit me because I wasn't expecting that. You know, I'm just kind of going into the movie and I think I was like, 
kind of taken back by it, but watching it more, I absolutely see that. Yeah, he he was, man, he was sharp. He was so sharp. I mean, he oh, was so smart. You know, He's very smart. And and like I said, this isn't just what it appears to be. There's so much more going on here that we're not even going to scratch the surface tonight. You know, it's one of those things you just need to watch it, but it's going to trigger subconscious things for you. But it's really the story of this kid coming of age, mm-hmm. fool, you yeah. know, becoming a man, you know, because they even talk about you're going to go through the fire and the boy's going to die and the man's going to come out on the mm-hmm. other side. And there's an explosion here and the man yep. comes through. So <laughs> really, really great stuff. Um, let's talk about the cast. Yes. Um, fool. Yes. What do you, what do, you, do you like him? Played by Brandon Adams, I believe mm-hmm. is his name. This is, I think, one of the finest child performances I've ever seen in a movie because this kid carries this film. He's in, I think, every scene of mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. I never get annoyed with him. I don't either. I, it doesn't feel like a kid performance. I would even say this performance, because of the age range, is up there with Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense, which I think might yeah. be the best kid performance in a movie especially mm-hmm. in, a, in a horror film uh this kid just seems smarter than his years but he doesn't have that movie kid thing where they're smart and they get right. on your nerves <laughs> he's just common sense smart he's got street smarts he's and it uh, all feels real all of that he feels very feels real. real the humor mm-hmm. uh doesn't feel forced the line about what you've never seen a brother before like <laughs> you know yeah and it doesn't even feel racial if right. that, you know, it's, yeah. it's very, he is just in the pocket the entire time so in this too. movie. I absolutely adore him. And, and he's part of the reason I was really kind of getting into the movie mm-hmm. is because you're seeing it through his eyes and he's a great uh, guide for so you see, through this. I think too, he, he carries a lot of it on his face. He does certain facial expressions throughout. And I said, like I said, I feel like he feels real. This doesn't feel like he's forcing anything to come out, you know, or pretending to be scared by something or freaked out. Everything just looks like he's, this is really happening to him. Yeah. And, and he feels in control, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, he, uh, the, the kid, I'm talking about the performer. He knows what mm-hmm. he's doing and Wes is getting great stuff out of mm-hmm. him. I mean, they worked really well together. I he, <laughs> he, um, he, I mean, he showed up. I mean, this is seriously one of my favorite performances by a child actor ever. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it doesn't feel like it's from a child actor. That's Mm-mm. the thing. It feels like it's from a guy who's 35, 40 years old. <laughs> exactly. You know, been doing it his entire life. And he just, there's nothing grating about him. Mm-mm. There's, it's just all there. It's just, it's a complete performance. And I, and I love it. You feel for him and, uh, and you root for him too. That's the other you thing do. too. Like you're rooting for him to, to, to not only make it out of that house, but to free those people, you mm-hmm. know, um, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really an amazing performance. And I think, uh, maybe overlooked yeah. a little bit. I think I this think movie so. might be a little overlooked I think so by too. some. Yeah. Because I think I saw this movie. It has, I mean, I haven't seen it too many times and it wasn't like it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago that I've seen it. So, cause I'd never heard of it. So I think it is yeah. a little, you know, it, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful performance. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get to the, uh, the, the two performances that are kind of the showy performances, <laughs> yes. uh, there's, there's two other actors in this. I think we should talk about, uh, Ving Rhames is, is oh, one of my favorites. And I mentioned Luther, mm-hmm. although he's playing Leroy here, <laughs> Luther from the mission impossible series, which is where he's probably most famous. 
Uh, he was in Pulp Fiction. He's been in so many movies. He, he's one of our great character actors. He's got one of the great voices in, yes. in movie history. Um, he's not in this much, no. but he leaves quite an impression, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. um, was was he a standout to you? Because I saw him. Oh, he and was I just, one of my favorites. Yeah, favorite parts of this whole movie. I was I was upset that his character left about thirty five minutes into the film. I wanted him to be in it more, but uh, he kind of functions if you're going by the hero's journey uh, mm-hmm. motif. We talk about this at length in the Silence of the Lambs episode. So if you want more of that, check that out. But uh, if you need a short version, there's plenty of that on YouTube. Um, there are archetypes in the hero's journey. He feels, if you want to go the Star Wars route, he's kind of the Han Solo character. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, with a little bit of Obi Wan Kenobi mentor in there, but really he's kind of the Han Solo character, mm-hmm. and he is having just such a ball. You can tell, like Ving Rhames is is having a good time <laughs> doing this. He gets some of the best lines in the movie oh God, too, and I'm not going to repeat them here because <laughs> I don't know if you're out there listening if you have kids. Like seriously, like I I, I can't repeat. Uh, <laughs> some of the things that come out of his mouth, but he's, uh, he's absolutely wonderful. And Ving Rhames has a little tussle with a dog in this. That's uh <laughs> Prince, the dog. Uh, now he's wonderful. The, uh, the other actor uh, we need to talk about is AJ Langer who plays mm-hmm. Alice. She's wonderful too. She really is. She's wonderful. And uh, the gentleman who played Roach, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Sean Whalen. Sean Whalen plays Roach, another really great performance, a silent performance too, for the most part, playing it all on his face. Um, the whole cast is is really good. Brandon Adams, I think, it really takes honors. Oh, yeah. But uh, we have to talk about these two because, <laughs> to me, when I think about this movie, that's what that's where your mind I is. I remember mm-hmm. from this movie. We have Everett McGill and Wendy <laughs> Roby playing mommy and daddy, mm-hmm. or is it just mom and dad? Mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. And they're not mommy and daddy. They're actually brother and brother sister. and sister, which adds a whole nother layer of weird to this. Exactly. Uh, they got this gig because uh, Wes Craven saw them playing husband and wife. They were Big Ed and uh, not Norma. Uh, what was her? Oh, gosh. What was Nadine? Big Ed and Nadine in Twin Peaks. They played <laughs> husband and wife on that show. Uh, Wendy Roby as Nadine. She had the eye patch on. She was trying to invent the uh, noiseless uh, curtain roller <laughs> cotton balls that was remember cotton balls in Greece that was the uh, that was the secret ingredient so he enjoyed them on that show and he cast them together in this movie um what what did you think of Everett McGill and Wendy Roby because it kind of is their movie their in movie? a lot of oh, ways yeah. Oh, yeah what can you not say about the two of them they are just I don't know they are they are that's 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 the crazy I mean Obviously, there's people underneath the stairs, but they are the crazy element to me. Just how. And they just go in wholeheartedly. Yes. <laughs> you know, these two rather good and serious actors. I mean, they've both done some some really great, serious work, mm-hmm. both of them. And they go all in on the cartoon aspect of this. You know, yeah. and Wendy Roby said she's never had more fun making a movie than, than this film. And she said from top, she said it was, it started with Craven and everybody that she was working with. She said the whole thing. She said she's never had as much fun <laughs> making the movie I as could, she did. I could probably almost see that. It seemed like it was probably a, 
you know, a cool environment to be. <laughs> the If you look at the backstage photo, I've seen a few behind the mm-hmm. scenes photos, like everybody's smiling. <laughs> like there's a wonderful picture of a uh, Craven on the IMDb behind the scenes wearing a little hat mm-hmm. and they're on the set and he's looking at the camera and just this big grin on his face. <laughs> uh, one of the points I want to make, maybe he was smiling because this movie was made for about $6 million, mm-hmm. uh, made his budget back first weekend when it was number one. As we said, but the thing about it is it was a small movie, universal release that they didn't give him a lot of interference on this. It was his show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the movie he wanted to make. We talked about this with Elm Street. When you get these talented guys like this and let them do what they let do, the results are something like yeah, this. Exactly. And so he's smiling, you know, ear to ear, probably because he's making his movie. <laughs> exactly. You know? um, but uh, yeah, Wendy Roby and Everett McGill. I you can't say enough about them. They give the picture its energy. Yeah. They're, they're, I think they're absolutely amazing. I think, yeah, they capture the, um, what's the word? I mean, the whole vibe the tone, of this movie. Yeah, the tone the of whole it, yeah. T- tone and vibe of this movie is them. And it's just instantly, they're, as soon as you meet them. They're the, uh, they're the gatekeepers and the monsters that mm. Fool has to overcome. Yes. You know, and their dog Prince, you mm-hmm. know, fits into that too. But they're they're literally the gatekeepers that he has to overcome because he is locked in that house, yeah. you know. And uh it's yeah, they do it with their faces, they do it with their body language, they do it with the lines. Everett McGill had me just rolling. <laughs> me you too. Know, had me just <laughs> rolling. Uh when uh, they realize that they killed the dog, yes, his line, oh, it. shit. There you, yeah, you know, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Him running around in leather bondage gear was just, and I'm going, what is this? Like, Was Ryan Murphy inspired by that, you think? Very pot. You know, and I was also I was thinking, thinking Tarantino that. may have been inspired by it with Pulp Fiction, but I was, but it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if Ryan Murphy uh, had been inspired by it with American Horror Story. Yeah, for oh, sure. American Horror Story, look. For sure. Got and, the old uh, creepy house. Yeah. And, yeah, I didn't even think about weird that. Weird suit. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Another Elm Street connection this has, it came from a newspaper article. You mm-hmm. know, the Elm Street story came from the group of, what was it, Vietnamese kids who mm-hmm. uh, who didn't want to fall asleep. And yeah. uh, finally, when they fell asleep, one of them died, you know, and that, yeah. that was what sparked it. And this came from a newspaper story about burglars who had broken into a house and they found kids uh, tied up in the yeah. in the house and so they called they 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 uh they cheesed it out of there and uh went and called the authority and good for them for calling the police you know, know. Honor, talk about honor among thieves you know i mean <laughs> but um which is kind of right? the thing that happens here so it um yeah the, the elm street similarities are so heavy here like i said with the fairy tale aspect with where it's coming from mm-hmm. you know and his whole spin on this, you know, but this, uh, this gets lumped in as a comedy. Do you, do you find it comedic? Uh, I, I, I think there are moments of comedy that are kind of just naturally placed in there, but I don't necessarily think it's a comedy. I get the, I get the Warner brothers cartoon vibe from it, which, yeah, I which think is, there are some lines that you giggle at, but absolutely. Yeah. I don't think don't, he was making an out and out comedy because yeah. I think the, cause I think what's really going on underneath all of this is so, dark and macabre right. you know and he's dressing it up a little mm-hmm. with lightness right. as it is I was just about to say that yeah as dark as this already mm-hmm. is um so mommy and daddy they are keeping people under the stairs mm-hmm. uh, hence the title of the movie um <laughs> what exactly are they doing with them do we know really because I, <laughs> I, I was they're there I, I don't know because they feed them people that come in mm-hmm. 
are are they eating them? Because I get because they're definitely cannibals. Yeah, the two of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mommy and daddy are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people in the stairs are. They're feeding them people. We see that twice mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, what are they doing with them? Are they using them for weird perversions? You know, I, I, yeah, because you hear the you hear Alice say at one point that you know uh, they were looking for a son or a brother for her, but none of them were right. Right. It's like what? What's their purpose now? But- <laughs> right, and you get the idea too that they're taking them when they're children, mm-hmm. which there's another kind of Elm Streety mm-hmm. thing, you right. know. Um, so, yeah, and that kind of that creeps me out a little that you don't know why they're there. Right. And it's and I mean they have them in there like cattle. I know. You know, um, I, I there's a couple things going on here, so let's let's kind of get into it. Was there anything you wanted to add about kind of the superficial? elements of the movie before no, we get more into I'm the uh, kind of the deeper stuff here. Uh, some people have said uh, Robeson is their name, uh, that they are stand-ins for the Reagans uh, and that this is a uh, treatise on capitalism, uh, crony capitalism and uh, that kind of thing. I will buy that for a dollar. I will yeah, buy, I'd buy that. Mm-hmm. I will buy that he was dressing them up as the Reagans. Uh, a little bit, kind of, sort of, maybe, yeah. maybe, sort of. It's not the first thought that I would have necessarily, yeah. but I, I, I uh, can see it. I don't see this so much as an indictment on capitalism as I do an indictment on elitism mm-hmm. and, and the elites and the fact that there are people who have and there are people who have not. Exactly. And the people who have want more mm-hmm. and more, and these people have more and more and more. And, uh, the other reading I want to make on this uh, is, okay, so we, uh, at the time of this recording, Jeffrey Epstein's Girl Friday just got arrested. So Jeffrey Epstein, if uh, you're listening out there and you don't know who he is, he uh, had Pedo Island and mm-hmm. all kinds of uh, nefarious things were going at Pedo Island. I don't want to talk about them on the show. You can look those up online. Uh, ritualistic satanic abuse happened on his island off the coast of what Carolina. Is that right, Carolina? I don't know. I actually it's don't know. It's somewhere, somewhere that area, Atlantic area. Okay. Awful, awful, awful things happened. Mm-hmm. Elites went there. You can see the flight logs. Okay. Some of your favorite people may or may not be on these flight logs. That's all I'm going to say about it. So, <laughs> but the elites throughout history have had this penchant for weirdness when it comes to this. We talked about True Detective on this show. True Detective is all about that. But if you go and look at the history of the royal family and people in charge, there are these really, really insanely grotesque things that they have participated in. This is the tip off to me that it's about the elites is that they're not a married couple, that they're brother and sister, because so much of the royal family, there's intermarrying in the royal family Mm -hmm. and inbreeding. and, And you hear it all the time. That's when I went, oh, he's not talking about, you know, he's not talking about, uh, you know, capitalism. He's talking about something way Mm -hmm. bigger than this. Right. You know, and so there are stories about elites and their ritualistic parties and they do these awful things and they uh, traffic children, which is what these people in this movie are doing. They are trafficking children. They're holding them in pens. You don't know what they're going to do with it. Maybe somebody, maybe they're selling them. Maybe they're keeping them for their own nefarious sins. I don't mm-hmm. know. Because we don't, I'm looking at Faith right now and she's shaking her <laughs> head going, yeah, I don't know, you know, <laughs> what they're doing with these kids. So 
that's what I think this is really about. Mm-hmm. And Fool has that. this great line, no wonder there's no money in the ghetto because mm-hmm. they have all the money. And it's not just the ghetto. You know, odds are you out there, you're you're either living paycheck to paycheck or maybe you're planning for the future. But odds are, you know, you're you've had the scrape and scrimp to get by. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's because these people have rigged the system against us. And in 2008, when they really went for it and they're going for it right now, possibly, allegedly, with maybe some pandemic that's happening. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's not an indictment of the system so much as it is of these people and the system. Right. right. You know, but, but he's they overtake showing, the system almost, you know? These yeah, people, the yeah, game's they, rigged and mm-hmm. these people are running it. And if you notice, it's not just the black people that come out at the end to confront them. Right. It's blacks and whites yeah. in the neighborhoods. Everybody. See, because, and I think that's what he's saying, to overtake these evil bastards, these evil overlords, it takes all of us coming together. And what do they like to do? They like to divide us. What are we seeing at the time in this recording going on right now? They're planting all of this racial division among us mm-hmm. because they want us at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you think I'm on a soapbox, but <laughs> all I'm asking is that you do some critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Open your eyes, open your heart to this, okay? And I'm not coming yes. at this from a religious, you know, right. thing. But this is there. The information is out there. Go get it. When I saw this, I went, oh, my God, Wes Craven knew. I think I said that in the Elm Street uh, you did. episode you two, did. didn't I, you talking did. about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He, he was smart. He with knew. The, with the death cults and Saturn mm-hmm. and all this. And Freddie being Saturn. Yep. Yeah. So it's there. That's what he's talking about. And he has this dressed up as a cartoon and a coming of age tale. Mm-hmm. But these people, these villains, it's there. It's it's all he's talking about the money system. He's talking about the trafficking. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a coincidence. <laughs> Be a really strong coincidence, though. <laughs> but he was smart enough to know this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe in a way, too, he was talking about Hollywood. I think Wes Craven knew very much what was going on in Hollywood. You I know. think so. Uh, there's a documentary that um, Alex Winter, who plays Bill in the Bill and Ted movies, is coming out with. I forget the name of it, but it's about the abuse of these kids in the Hollywood system. And it's awful. It's And I think Wes knew about all of mm-hmm. this, you know, because uh, you don't hear any of that crap with Wes Craig. You don't hear Mm-mm. any any of that. No, you hear about all. what a lovely and, and just fun and talented man he was. You nope. never hear anything. Uh, I think he was someone... That was working to expose a lot of that. I really do. I think, I think so too. I think he coded this movie as brilliantly as somebody like a Stanley Kubrick would. Mm-hmm. I agree. Just a little horror movie, though, right? Right. A little $6 million <laughs> horror movie. Right. Okay. So I just, I, I realized this. And let me pull back here because I went off on a little bit of a tangent. And we didn't have, uh, Faith and I don't really share our notes for the show because we like to have a kind of a natural conversation here. Um, everything that I just said, does any of that seem oh. completely left field, you know, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you a hundred percent. That's, that's exactly the kind of, the kind of thing I was seeing in it too. I think yeah. you're, I don't think you're, you know, reaching too far out there. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I agree. And Hey, let's give kudos to Wes Craven, uh, for, for making a movie, uh, with, with, a, with a young black man. You know, as as the lead mm-hmm. here in 1991, mm-hmm. when we didn't see that thing too terribly much. No, you know, and uh, uh, you know, because they're talking about you know representation is one of the things here. Here's a movie 30 years old now. We got representation, you yeah. know, in the movie, and uh, 
what a story. I know. What a story, this this story. And I think there's more truth to this story than uh, may be comfortable for some people yeah. out there. So the last thing I'll say about everything that I just said is the information is out there. You just need to look for it. Mm-hmm. You know, use your judgment, use your discernment. I'm not trying to scare you, but what you see may scare you. Right. Don't be scared. There's more of us mm-hmm. than there are of them. And these evil bastards are out there. But yes, uh, they are. Yeah. I, 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 final question before we take a break. Do you think Wes knew? Oh, yes. I think he knew. I do, too. Absolutely. I do, too. I, I think he knew quite a bit. Quite, yeah, I think he knew a lot. <laughs> quite a bit. And I think he was, I really do think he was telling us. Yeah, and I think that putting this movie, you know, or kind of, thinking about how he made this you just realize how great of a storyteller he was you know yeah he was wasn't he He really was he was um we've done uh several craven films this is our one two three fourth our fourth craven film we have many more to go um and i'm always impressed by him he was he was he was a filmmaker he was a storyteller but he really was he was a he uh i was kind of thinking how much fun it would have been if somebody like Craven and George Lucas had gotten to do something oh, together. Yeah. What what that uh, collaboration could have been. That would have been really nice. Yeah. You know, you know, too, what I like about Craven, I, I watch this movie and you get your, your similar moments of Nightmare on Elm Street. But I feel like every movie is so different. Yeah. You know, it tells its own story. You're not yeah. watching this saying, oh, it's, it's a Craven movie. It's going to be the same old thing. There's always something that stands out with each of his films. Right. What what I was impressed with, and I'm, I made the point here uh, a few minutes ago, is if you know him and know his work, you can see the connections. Right. You know, uh, like I said, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm getting the Elm Street vibe, but I'm not watching Elm Street right. 2. Right. You know, uh, you can see the things that he was interested in talking mm-hmm. about on screen. But uh, he was, he, he really was. And uh, again, check out that Elm Street episode that we did. We get into his biography a little bit, and he was just a hell of a guy. It's a hell of a story. And he may or may not have directed deep throat and some other pornography. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh. <laughs> it's possible. Who knows? And when asked, he would give a little smile like the cat that <laughs> ate the canary. <laughs> um, it's po- He may or may not, it, it, you know, and honestly we don't know, but a lot of things point to that. He, he, did. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> He neither confirmed nor denied it. And he's, uh, unfortunately, he left us a few years ago, so he can't confirm Let's or deny. pull out the Ouija board and <laughs> get Wes, we'll find out. <laughs> get Wes on the main line. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Do you have anything uh, you would like to add about the people under the stairs before we get back into our top five list? I think that's, I think that's it. Other than if you haven't seen this movie, you really should watch it. It's, it's a really... It's a really great movie. I mean, yeah, start to finish. There is, uh, there is some dark, macabre stuff in there if you haven't seen it. Uh, but this is this is just horror done right. Yeah. It's horror that hits you on the uh, on that physical level as you're watching it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's the subconscious thing that Wes Craven does better mm-hmm. than anybody. Exactly. You know, it's better than anybody. And it, he's hitting you on all the levels. And uh, you're going to think about this movie. You know, things I was just <laughs> talking about, you know. I'm going, oh, what is this? Re-? When you start going, what is this really about? You know, well, there you go. 
So, well, Faith, uh, we're going to take a, a break in just a second, but let's get back to our top five Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. one-liners and Freddy Krueger kills. I think we have a theme song, don't we? I think we do. Should we roll it? Let's do it. Let's roll it. Bitch. Let's see if any lines contain the word bitch in this go around. We are going to start, though, with kills. Uh, numbers three and two. So, Faith, you have the honor. Your number three top Fred Krueger kill. I picked Joey from four, the wet dream uh, kill. That's a good kill. I know. It's a good kill. <laughs> uh, number three, I have uh, one you already mentioned. I have Philip from... Uh, Elm Street 3. I've always liked that one um, because it's brutal and macabre Mm -hmm. and vicious with just uh, a little bit of black humor to it. And he's clued in on something that the kid likes or does. Right. So that the kill is kind of exclusive uh, to the kid, which Mm -hmm. I think is uh, that that movie three really adds another element to Mm -hmm. the Freddy character, which uh, is either good or bad, depending on who you talk to. So uh, (laughs) let's see. And uh, your number two top five kill. I had to go for the Glenn kill here with the blood fountain. I also have Glenn at number two. Uh, Do you think that might be the most iconic kill? Yeah, it was hard not to put it number one, but I wanted to maybe spotlight something else. It it was hard for me too not to put it number one. Yeah, I'm going to spotlight something else. But honestly, that probably would be my number one. (laughs) Yeah, it's that to me is I mean, it's just so iconic. I mean, yeah. It's so iconic and it just it, and literally overkill. You know, it's <laughs> right. Really kind of overkill. That is uh that's one of the great scenes from horror films. I know. That's it's so good. Yes. So good and so bad. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um do you know what I'm realizing right now? What's that? That uh I didn't do my number four. We both didn't. We took a break. We did take a break. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do three lines here. All right. We're going to do four, three, and two. All right. Yay for planning. <laughs> what was your number five line? It was, uh, I'm your boyfriend now, right? Mm-hmm. And I had Bon Appetit, bitch. Mm-hmm. So that was it. That's the only That's one. That's all we did. Okay. I okay. was wondering, but. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know. I mean, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Yeah. All right. Uh, I will go. Right. My number four line is from mm-hmm. Freddy's Revenge, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. It's another film that we've done here on the show. One of my favorites. Uh, You've got the body. I've got the brain. One of the great dark moments in in this series history and the great special effect with uh, Fred Chuck pulling the uh, pulling the head back and you see the brain. So we have the line. We're going to play the line. And we did leave the Mark Patton scream in because that's right. Number two has a guy at the center of the movie. That's right. Check out our episode (laughs) if you want to hear all about that. Here you go. Here it is. You've got the body. I've got the brain. You've got the body. I've got the brain. There it is. It's a great scream and a great laugh. I know. That's a really good pick. And they were were still doing the... uh, 
the very speed on England's voice mm-hmm. uh, in the first three movies. So it really it sends a chill up my spine <laughs> when I when I hear. I've seen that movie several times, and that part actually bothers me. Yeah, like he's. I think he's terrifying in that. I think so in that too. Moment. Uh, what do you have at number four, Faith? I, I like this one. I put "Welcome to My Nightmare" from Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, from the dream sequence uh, where Jason makes a visit to yeah, the brother. It's nothing terrifying. I just like that he's inviting Jason into. It's a good one. Yeah, it's nightmare. We should hear it. We should. Hear you want to hear it? it? Let's, Let's hear, hear it. it. Welcome to my nightmare. That's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, I am on record as saying, uh, and this might be sacrilege among some fans, I love England's performance in Freddy vs. Jason. It might be my <laughs> favorite <laughs> outside of like the original mm-hmm. because I, he just seems like... He's having so much fun. I mean, it's like they told him, like, here's a ham, eat it, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, he is chewing some scenery in that and just having <laughs> such a great time. Um, so. All right. So let's see. Num- my number three. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay, yes. here we go. Number three. This is from Wes Craven's New Nightmare. One of my favorite moments in the entire series. Two words, two chilling words. You ready for this? It's Miss Me. That's a good one. You ready for it? Yes. Here it is. Miss Me. As I said, we will try and keep the scream intact. <laughs> that uh, that moment is one of the most iconic from the from the entire series for me. I, mm-hmm. I, I love that moment. And that uh, that's one where Freddy is kind of breaking the uh, fourth wall mm-hmm. there. All right. What is your number three, Faith? Number three is Houses for a Wet Dream. Going back to the Joey Kill and Four Dream Master. This is when uh, Freddy really got funny. <laughs> Here it is. You could say it's a double entendre. Yes, you could. Here it is. <laughs> How's this for a wet dream? <laughs> yes, Robert England. The uh, <laughs> he really kept the series going, didn't he? I mean, he he, yes. he did kind of turn into a clown in the uh, in around the fourth movie, didn't he? Just a little, yeah. Kind of like they looked at the marketing research from three because they lighten quote unquote lighten him up a little, mm-hmm. like hey, let's uh let's go for jokes. <laughs> <laughs> What well, you got for number two? Number two is one that you already you already threw out, What's and that, that is I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. It's a good one. Should we play it again? If you want to. Oh yeah. I think we have to play it. Here it is. It. <laughs> Here it is. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. <laughs> I really love that scene. Yeah, it's a good scene. <laughs> whole thing that whole movie is is great uh, all right faith and number two i had to go for this is god that yeah so let me say this i didn't have that on my list it uh it was very close mm-hmm. and my thought behind this was it's like it's so good it just doesn't belong on the list mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like well of course you know yeah. I mean, but uh, no, no, no. I fully support you. All right. Putting it on the list and uh, we should hear it, shouldn't we? <laughs> yes, we should. All right, here we go. This is God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, that's creepy as I'll get out, I isn't know. it? It really is. Yes. Stuff nightmares. Are- so we have, uh, we each have one kill and one line left. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling our number one line might be the same, Faith. <laughs> I might think be it the just most might. famous line from the 
from the franchise. All right. Well, we are going to take a very short break. This is a news break. So stay tuned for a WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio news break. And when we get back, we will finish talking about the people under the stairs. I'm Dan. And I'm Faith. And we will see you on the other side. staffers of The Ellen Show have said that the work environment on the set and behind the scenes is toxic. Hmm, someone in Hollywood that isn't what they appear to be. In other news, water is wet, the sky is blue, and dance fart smell like roses. Yes, they do. Mm-mm. Well, Richard Starkey, a.k.a. Sir Ringo Starr, recently celebrated his 80th birthday. So let's see, let's do the math here, Faith. He's the drummer in the biggest band of all time. Mm-hmm. He's in Caveman, arguably the greatest film of all time. He is a knight of the British Empire. He looks fabulous. He moves like he's in his 50s. And he's married to a Bond girl. Congratulations, <laughs> Universe. You win again. I'm kidding. We love Ringo, don't we? Yes, we do. He's, well, he's one of my favorite Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> what you got, Faith? I really hate musicals. That's it? Yeah. I hate them. Like, what's with the singing and the dancing and the whatnot? That's not really news. Anyone who knows you knows you don't like musicals. Dan, can we ever really know anyone? Yeah, I guess not. Well, finally, Cozy Corner's favorite toddler, Tiny Tito, recently shat himself while playing in his backyard. He told his mom, I've got duty in my pants, but love in my heart for you, mama. And that's the news. Well, think about it real quick. We hardly know ourselves, so how can we know anyone else? We don't even know how we got here or where we come from. Chariots of the gods, Dan. Chariots of the gods. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed... I'm sorry. We're supposed to be surprised that Ellen... You know, isn't who she mm-hmm. who she is, and mm-hmm. she tries to be this special person, and mm-hmm. it raises this bigger question: like, what do we know? I'll tell you, squat, Jack flipping squat. And let mm-hmm. me tell you something else: you can polish a turd, but you know what? It's still a turd. And you want to know what else? Not really. We'll be right back. See, did I know you were gonna say that? Hell no. We don't know anything. Settle down, Fred. Turd. back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very, she's a little hot under the collar co-host, Faith. Faith, have you calmed down? Use your words, Faith. (laughs) Use your words. Do we really know anybody? We can never really know anything, Faith. (laughs) I'm I'm okay now. I know one thing. I know I really love the people under the stairs. Yes. Really, really love this movie. Do uh, you have anything else you want to add about it? No, I did read that before Craven died, he was supposed to have a TV series on the Sci-Fi Channel of this show. I could see this I working as a, really cool. as a TV show, maybe been... maybe like about them mm-hmm. and how all this came to be. Yeah, this actually would really really work 
as a television series. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of a bummer. We didn't get it from him, you know? Yeah. One of the things that I like about this movie too, is, uh, I I've always felt that the Elm street 84 film, and it's not his fault at all. I, I feel like it kind of, um, whiffles on the end a little bit mm-hmm. like what okay wait how do you like <laughs> the resolution is a little unclear uh right. that's not his fault that's the studio on the studio you know right. he was doing what he had to to get that film out um uh, this feels complete mm. you know it, it definitely feels feels complete this might actually be like my favorite craven film I I think this maybe. is actually maybe a little bit of a better film mm-hmm. than uh, Elm Street. I think I think Elm Street is is you know that's yeah. his masterwork. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I think this might be a little bit of a better film. Yeah, I think so. Just uh, I'm talking about the pure right. filmmaking film. mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, um, I should have added this too. I, I meant to add this. I'd like to add it now. Uh, one of the other things that's kind of a hallmark of his, which I which I love and. Again, the Elm Street similarities, you know, are in full display here. This is the movie. Uh, the horror of this is happening in your neighborhood. This is happening right. uh, in the house next door to you. Uh, mm-hmm. They even make the point that every neighborhood has a house like this that you don't go by. That kind of urban legend again, kind of uh, uh, getting into the fairy tale aspect of this. Yep. You know, it um, yeah, you know, it's happening. Yes, uh, you right. never know who your neighbors are, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, just like the whole Elm Street thing is happening in it's just the like, suburbs. And it's just like my whole argument. Do you really know who anyone is? No, no, Faith. <laughs> See, you were doing everyone a solid with that. I mean, you know. That was that was maybe the greatest insight you've ever had. Lock your doors, bolt your windows. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, but the, the horror of this is right there in in your neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it's right it's right next door to you. I know. So, uh, he was wonderful. I'm, I'm sorry he's not with us anymore. I mean, people who knew him have just said the nicest, loveliest, warmest things about mm-hmm. him. And I'm, I, from a selfish standpoint, I'm sorry he's not with us anymore. Uh, not because I want more films, because I would have liked to have met him. I would have oh, liked yeah. to have just, you know, uh, shaken his hand and, and said thank you. Right. You know, for for all these wonderful uh, I feel like moments, he, I feel like he would have been a cool person to sit down and talk to. For you know, <laughs> so many people in Hollywood, uh, as you so eloquently said in the news, uh, are not what they appear to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't put your faith in uh, Hollywood actors; they will just disappoint you. Um, <laughs> again, a lot of these people are they're they're yeah you know, they're people who are paid to read lines, and and that, I don't want that to seem like a blanket statement. Yeah, because right. they're certainly great people working in that industry. But, um, you know, so many people will just disappoint you, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, he doesn't, and they're not intelligent. That's the other, They might repeat things that they've heard. Wes was one of those guys who seems like he was actually legitimately intelligent. Right. You know, oh, legitimately yeah. intelligent. Yeah. You know. Um, so I don't think he would have disappointed if you gotten a meeting no i don't think so and so i'm like i said that's my biggest thing is i would have loved to have gotten the opportunity to meet him Mm -hmm. just just to shake his hand and say thank you uh because i mean we talked about it on the elm street episode this uh that character that film uh the original 84 film scared me Mm -hmm. still still on some level scares me and and i think that's a real testament to how frightening it is the idea behind it and this is frightening to me too Mm -hmm. that this could be going on next door but it's dressed up in such wonderful yeah, comedy exactly. you know and, and uh hijinks some of it mm-hmm. you know 
but uh, really wonderful. Great performances all the way around. Great directing job by uh, by Craven. And uh, we we should talk about Roach real quick. We didn't talk about Roach. Oh, yeah. um, another one of my just favorite characters in the movie. We kind of passed over him. Um, you know, great performance. Uh, kind of an interesting uh, look. And uh, I was sorry to see him go. I was too, because you 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 actually grow to to you know really enjoy him. You feel sorry for him. And, and I like when performances like that that are mostly silent, you know, they, they stand out to you and they can, you know, convey all these emotions to you. I mean, speaking, I think, is, you know, a yeah. job well done that he did right here. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Waylon gave a gave a really good performance there. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that I know we had mentioned him, but I want to make sure that he got a little right. he got a little love because uh, uh, he's not in it very much, but he's kind of important. You know, he knows oh, yeah. the layout of the house. So yeah. uh, great film. High recommendation here. Absolutely. All right. Well, we each have one kill and one line left in our top five. Uh, Fred Krueger, he's our pick tonight. Uh, The uh, bastard child of Wes Craven's imagination. Let's see. We have that theme. I think we can play it one more time. Don't you think? think One more time. Here we go. Bitch. does say bitch quite a bit don't play a drinking game with that theme song (laughs) no all right here we go faith i'm really intrigued i want to know what your number one favorite uh fred krueger kill is from the nightmare series go like i said while ago i would have put glenn at number one right but i'm going to spotlight the jennifer kill here because it's one that i always think of and it's just it just stands out and it's awesome to me <laughs> it's that one to me is a turning point in the series mm-hmm. from uh from a personality standpoint uh-huh. with him from a special <laughs> effects standpoint again mm-hmm. this is another kill that is so you know uh, uh specialized right. you know it's it's part of who the kid is exactly which is where this kind of starts coming in so uh no that's a that's a great that's a great pick i went with tina and i went with tina because to me the tina character is what you should always remember about the fred krueger character is that he's brutal it's, exactly it's brutal and mean as and, and and i don't think anything here uh maybe the the joey kill might be funny yeah. you know but uh you know he did get a little funny you know mm-hmm. in, in uh four five and six mm-hmm. you know Never forget what you're dealing with, right. you know, and that to me, and I love, I love the whole stage, you know, I just love the, the look and the feel and the, and the, and the vibe of that mm-hmm. and just how, uh, uh, Amanda Weiss just is so just terrified in that moment, you know, <laughs> but again, I could have put Glenn there, but to me, it's like, it's, it's more brutal because you're actually seeing it and True. and you're not seeing it mm-hmm. so and that harkens back to the mark davis kill from freddy versus jason so it's just to me that's that's the highlight of the series it's so brutal and again never forget who this guy is <laughs> he's uncle fred exactly he's uncle fred <laughs> we each have one line left and i have not heard it on your list i have it on my list i am can i guess what what your number one line is sure all right, I have a feeling that it ties into the Jennifer kill. I have a feeling that uh, 
I have a feeling one, we have the same one. Lot. Let's see. Should we do it on three? Let's, Let's see. I was thinking Let's that. Let's see. One, two, three. Welcome, Welcome to, to prime time, time bitch. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here it is. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. <laughs> Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> love it <laughs> there it is there it is the uh and and rightfully so the number one freddy krueger line that we picked our favorite was one that was improvised by robert england so it, it you know i think rightfully so because that is his character yeah exactly you know? um that's <laughs> again that's kind of a turning point for the series and what i love about that line too is he had remember we talked about this uh when we did commentary on elm street three he hadn't talked much mm-hmm. up to that point this yeah. was really kind of the first time he was speaking in the film and this is what comes out of his mouth exactly you know? <laughs> and um we should not uh we should mention the uh it's your big break in tv which is just yeah yeah awful before it <laughs> Yeah, that's a great that's a great moment. So there it is, our favorite, our top five favorite Freddy Krueger one liners and Freddy Krueger kills. Mm-hmm. So if your favorite kill or line was not on our list, make your own list. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So uh Faith, do you have anything you would like to add about the people under the stairs, uh Wes Craven, anything to do with the movie or anything we talked about I tonight? I think that we covered everything that I can think of. Yeah, I'm good too. Uh watch this movie as soon as you can. Yes, it's it's fantastic. Uh, Thirty years old looks great too. It does. Still it looks does look good. good. I like it. Uh, I like that era of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. That Me was too. that was it was still kind of pure at that point, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. and uh, I love the fact too that this was such a uh, sleeper hit that it became, you know, I mean, right. twenty five million on a six million dollar budget. That's not <laughs> bad. Not at all. Not bad. So. Well, we uh, again, if you've been following the show since we got back from our little hiatus due to the coup, um, we have been uh, previewing what we're going to be talking about next week so you can watch it if you're following along with us. Faith, it is my pick. I have something a little <laughs> outside of the box, I think. Uh, Let us know what it is. Not as, not as out there as Superman the movie or anything <laughs> like that. Um, I kind of felt like we needed to do a horror comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been watching a lot of old sitcoms. Uh, We were listening to the theme songs. Uh, Three's Company was a Mm -hmm. a song that we we talked about. We talked about John Ritter. I got thinking about Don Knotts, who played Mm -hmm. Mr. Furley. Um, The Andy Griffith Show is one of my favorite things of all time. Barney Fife is wonderful. We are going to be talking next week about 1966. 1966s. There it is. The Ghost and Mr. Chicken from Universal Studios starring Don Knotts. I have never seen this, and I honestly can't wait to see it. The title alone is, is very intriguing. Right. We're going we're gonna to have a short preview for it after, after the show, so stay tuned for that. But uh, a horror comedy, The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I saw this when I was a kid, so it's going to kind of almost be a first-time watch for me, too, in a lot cool. of ways. And this is... Uh, this is regarded as one of the great horror comedies of all time up there with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is a movie we do need to do eventually on the show. But uh, not this time. No, we got uh, we got the ghost and Mr. Chicken. So I can't wait. If you'd like to watch that. Uh, so you're familiar with it before we talk about it. There you go. We've given you fair warning. And uh, just to kind of give you a little heads up to what we're going to be doing in the future uh, the week after that. It's going to be fun, so we'll talk about this 
uh, on next week's show, we are going to pick uh, a movie out of a hat. We we have four movies that we're going to be picking from. We have a uh, Urban Legend, Deep Blue Sea, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and Faith. What is that? Uh, that Chopping Mall. Night? Chopping Mall. That's a classic. Quit forgetting my picks. Yeah, Chopping Mall. That's a good one. <laughs> So we're going to pick one of those movies. So we'll give you and we're going to do that at the end of the Ghost and Mr. Chicken show so we can let you know what we're going to be doing now. And to give you if uh, if this excites you in the future, we've got uh, some sci fi movies we'll be talking about uh, sci fi horror like the blob. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, possibly the Empire Strikes Back at some point in the future. And Faith, you had a really wonderful idea. You want to spotlight a certain actor who's uh well, he's one of my favorite actors of mm-hmm. all time. He's uh, he's had songs written about him. Mm-hmm. He's been in, oh, what, forty or so movies at this point. He's, uh, I mean, he's an international superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faith, who who do you want to talk about in the future on this show? Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> there it is. We're gonna pick a Godzilla movie uh, at some point in the future. So uh, uh, if, you, if you if you like giant monsters, there you go. We're gonna be getting to that soon. Uh, don't know if we're going to do a commentary on the, how we're going to do this, but we're going, to, we'll see. we're going to have some fun with Godzilla because I mean it's it's Godzilla, it's ridiculous. It is, and I love it. I absolutely love Me it. Too. Uh, King Kong is in the mix. Some some point we got a lot of stuff we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at. But um, anyway, so I just wanted to make you aware. But don't worry about all that. Ghost and Mister Chicken <laughs> with Don Knotts, aka Barney Fife, aka Ralph Furley, Bachelor at Large is is next week's film. This was fun, wasn't it, Faith? It was. It was. I'm looking forward to next week. Let's see. It feels like it's that time. It does. Are you listening? Are you listening? Do you hear the music? Well, there it is. Time to say goodbye. Time to say goodbye. Before we say goodbye, though, I would like to say a big hello. I'd like to say a big hello to Mr. Wes Craven. Wherever he is in the ether. Wes, hope you're having a great time. Thank you so much for everything. Uh... Faith, let's do it. Take it home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on on a leash. leash. Be careful of your neighbors, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Brave. What is brave? 
Let me demonstrate. Now, some men are afraid of girls. Well, that's silly. Girls can't hurt you. A brave man just sweeps the female right off her feet. Nothing to it. Some men are afraid of men. No red-blooded American boy should be afraid of men. <laughs> be bold, be firm, and above all, be sure-footed. <laughs> Some men are afraid of ghosts. That's kid stuff. Uh, do haunted houses scare you? <laughs> They're mortar, stone, and wood. Well, <laughs> oh, good, because you're going to spend the murder night in the Simmons house alone. Some men are afraid of their shadows. <laughs> Some shadows are afraid of their men. <laughs> so what is brave? How should I know? I'm chicken. Just who do you think you are? A little pipsqueak like you fighting us in court? Just who do you think you are? Drop dead, that's who. All right, Luther, now just calm down. Calm? Calm? Do murder and calm go together? Calm and murder? He'd started as a roving reporter with murder on his beat. Now he's a raving reporter as he tries to solve the mystery of the secret passage, the blood-dripping portrait, the ghostly organist. Chicken if you miss this movie.